Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Wait, they will not force us. They will not deny us. They will not control us. Oh yeah, we will be victorious. We are canceling the apocalypse. Today on the Command Zone. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How is it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. That's right. We're canceling the apocalypse because today we are talking about the Commander 2016 Precon deck, starting with... Idris. It's called Entropic Uprising. Actually, we're not starting with this one. We just did another episode this week. We're getting two. This is the second of them. We did Attracts in the other episode, but this is our yearly review of the Commander deck products. Yeah, so what we're going to do here is the same that we did for Atraxa. We're going to look at the pre-con, we're going to break it down, we're going to say what it's trying to do. If you play it directly out of the box, here's how it might go. And then we're going to talk about a small amount of cards, maybe 12 to 15 cards that you could add in, and then what you know, few cards you, maybe you should take out. Um, yep. So that's going to be a quick review. We're not going to do like a full build Idris from the ground up or any of the other commanders. This is just for people who are like, I'm going to grab that. You know, My pre-order is going to come in the mail from Card Kingdom, and I'm going to open it. And I'm going to just change it really quickly, just a quick upgrade before I play it. Or maybe I'm just going to play it right out of the box. But I want to know sort of what I'm supposed to do when I do play it for the first time. So Yeah, definitely. And these decks are super spicy, which is why you're going to want to satiate your appetite by going to cardkingdom.com slash command zone to buy these pre-cons as well as satisfy all your need for singles and anything you want to do to upgrade this deck, any of the other 2016 pre-cons, or any of your pre-existing decks. They're a sponsor for the show. That's Just right. So you didn't know. Make sure you use the affiliate link so they know we're the ones that sent you. By the end of this episode, yes, you're going to want to order the Idris deck, the Entropic Uprising deck, and probably some of the singles that we're going to talk about. So Card Kingdom is a perfect place to do both, and they get stuff to you super fast so that you can be playing this stuff right after it comes out. Yeah, within days, you'll get everything that you need sort of in one click of add to shopping cart and checkout, which is very, very impressive. All right, let's talk about Entropic Uprising, the Yidris deck or the Whiteless deck. So there's 
four legendary creatures that are new. This is the same as all the decks. The first one w that we've mentioned, we are canceling the apocalypse. <laughs> it's Idris Elba is why we're saying this. Right, and he was in um, Pacific Rim. Yeah. Yeah. He's also been in a lot of stuff, but Pacific Rim was particularly awesome. Idris is the whitelist commander, so it costs four mana for an ogre wizard, 5-4 with trample. Says, whenever Idris Maelstrom Wielder deals combat damage to a player, as you cast spells from your hand this turn, they gain Cascade. Now, Cascade... Oh, yeah, Cascade <laughs> says, when you cast the spell, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card that costs less. You may cast it without paying its mana cost. Put the exile cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. So you cast a spell that costs six, let's say. Then when it triggers Cascade, you flip cards from the top of your deck until you flip a non-land card that costs less than six. And then you cast that card. You don't draw it, you cast it. Maelstrom Wanderer is the immediate uh, sort of comparison to Idris. Uh, but Maelstrom Wander doesn't have black in its colors. But yeah, Idris is absurd. It gives spells in your hand cascade. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. It means every spell you cast is going to cast another spell, right? Because yeah, you're going to keep flipping until you find a spell. The only time it wouldn't is if you cast a one drop or maybe if you cast a two drop where you don't have any one drops in your deck because mm -hmm. so it can't find a card. But Sometimes also if you cast and you get like a counter spell off of this, then you're obviously not going right. to want to cast that spell. So you can choose not to. You you would not have counter spells in a deck that was built around Idris because yeah. you don't want that kind of thing to happen in general. Um, Importantly, it says that you may cast it without paying its mana cost. You're cheating yeah. the mana cost of a card. You get a two for one essentially. And as we'll talk about later, Idris is particularly powerful because you can double strike him. They give your cards Cascade, Cascade, so it does it twice, just like Maelstrom Wanderer. Yeah, that's a big thing about Idris is double strike means that stuff. It's better than Maelstrom Wanderer in that case because Maelstrom Wanderer itself cascades twice. Mm -hmm. But if you give Idris double strike, then all of a sudden... Everything you cast has Cascade twice. Yeah. You know. Cascade, one of the most broken mechanics in Magic. There's a good reason that a lot of those cards that say Cascade on them are banned in the, a lot of the constructed formats because they're just that powerful. Okay, so there are three commanders with partner that are all also in the deck. The first one is Vile Smasher the Fierce. This used to be Ankle Shanker back yep. uh, before Is this the, the dragons. alternate parallel? Yeah, Universe Dragons of Tarkir gotcha. came and it became, it became Vile Smasher. Go ahead. Oh yeah, one black and a red Rakdos for two, three Goblin Berserker. Whenever you cast your first spell each turn, Vile Smasher the Fierce deals com deals damage to that spell's converted mana cost to an opponent chosen at random. So you cast, let's say, a six drop spell. It's going to deal six damage randomly to one of your opponents. Now, that's only the first spell you cast each turn. So if you cast mm -hmm. a six-drop spell and then cast something else, the second spell won't trigger that. Yes, but it does do it at instant speed if you cast it on someone else's turn. Correct. It's each turn, so. It's kind of like uh, Rush Me a little bit from the yeah. previous set in that yeah. you'd with Vile Smasher, if you're building around specifically Vile Smasher, you would want to have a lot of instants so that on this player's turn, that player's turn, the next player's turn, you're casting spells and getting more triggers. Um, the next one is... Okay, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Last time we said Adele, that's clearly wrong. I sort of <laughs> did look up some Greek pronunciation because I really was curious about oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah, and I think, listen, nobody knows because, one, it's a made-up name. Um, but Aren't it, all names made up, Josh? Yeah, <laughs> true, good point. The Y, we think, is like an is sound like Kithian because Gideon, Kithian. Um, but it also could be like an I sound like Cyclops or Python. Mm -hmm. And it can also be an E sound. So it could be... 
Kedeli, the the D E L E. There's some Greek names that it sort of is an it's an uh, O E sound. So I'm gonna go with it's either Kydeli or Kidali. Nidali. Yeah, it it's, might it might be Kidali. I'm gonna go with uh, Kydeli. Kydel. Ah, it's it's well, it's the E on the end definitely makes some kind of a sound. What about Kydeli? Kaidele, Kaidele, chosen of. How That's about like Kaidele from uh, Polynesian culture. That's how we would say the E L E is Ele. Yeah, um, I'm not sure that that's how the Greeks say it. Listen, we have no freaking clue. Is the I'm not a linguist of any kind, so we spent too much time even yep, just talking exactly. about it. It's Adele, <laughs> Kaidele, Kaidele, whatever, Kaidele. <sighs> chosen of crucifix two and a green and a blue for a two three legendary creature human wizard you can tap to add colorless or diamond mana to your mana pool for each card you've drawn this turn and that's all that matters about this card not the name but this ability is pretty powerful this we've talked about before on the previous episode or two episodes ago where you do things like wheel of fortune you've drawn seven cards that turn now she taps for seven colorless mana mm-hmm. all kinds of shenanigans then occur um, really, really strong card. Probably the strongest single partner commander. Yeah. Uh, notably, what's the one thing that you want to do after you spend a lot of mana drawing cards? Play those cards. How do you do that? Get a lot of mana. Yeah, have Cadeli Sandwich help you out. All right. <laughs> the last legendary creature that's new is Thrasios, Triton Hero. Uh, green and the blue for a 1-3 legendary creature Merfolk Wizard. You can pay four mana to scry one, then reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped. Otherwise, draw a card, and it has partner as well. So this is very similar to Coiling Oracle, I believe. Right? Yeah, basically you pay four mana and then sort of Coiling Oracle, plus you scry one first. Yeah, which is really cool. You mm-hmm. draw a card for one no matter what. I draw a card for four, sorry, no matter what. But if it's a land card, you ramp for four. Yeah, you draw and play, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, super powerful card. Four is a lot, but this is also a two-drop, so it comes out early, and you can start utilizing it. All of these are pretty strong. I think Vile Smasher is kind of the the weakest as far as, like, you really got to build around it. This also pairs, Thrasios pairs, or Trasios? Yeah. Thrasios. Thrasios. Thrasios pairs really well with uh, Idris as well, because you can kind of figure out, like, Oh, do I want, you know, you're going to cascade anyway, so you can scry one and be like, I can put that in my, if it's a land, like, great, you get on the battlefield, and then you cascade past that or whatever. Right. Um, okay, so let's talk about the stats. We had a, how did it go? Stats. Okay, that was our. What's everyone? What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Tournament Center, where we talk about stats here on our big uh, giant stat Drumbotron board. <laughs> That's our ESPN Sports Center version yeah. of stats. Okay. <laughs> and then we'll play like a stupid robot throwing a football at the end of it. Stats, 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 stats. stats. <laughs> All right. Ready to be sued. <laughs> so we always do the same four categories at first. So card draw. There are about nine card draw spells. So a lot. Um, a high number of those are wheel effects, which I will generally count as card draw um, because mm-hmm. you can wait to play them until you have less cards, and then you draw cards off it. Um, wheel effects, I should say, are Wheel of Fortune type effects. So Wheel of Fortune says you dis- everybody just discards their hand and then draws seven cards. So if you only have two cards, you just drew five cards when you do that. So that's why I would count those as card draw. Uh, there's about 10 ramp spells. Whoa. Again, going along with the Atraxa deck, where we saw they have definitely upped these two categories this year as opposed to the last couple of pre-cons. Um, a lot of it is artifact ramp again they have signets there's chromatic lantern is in this deck um there's a bunch of of artifact type ramp there is burgeoning which is another one again i'll talk about some of this stuff a little bit later but there's a good amount of ramp i don't 
that was the best thing for us. I think I don't know if you felt the same way when breaking down a track set, but oh, I was no. like, oh, good. I don't have to waste a bunch of time on the show saying like, okay, add these boring ramp and card draw spells. They did cover that, so you can actually spend our time on the show talking about cool cards that do cool stuff, which is why people play Magic. Um, <laughs> even though I play it to, to draw cards, I don't care about the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> As if Josh has drawn the most cards, and he just automatically what wins happens. the game. I don't yeah. care in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next category is targeted removal. There's about five targeted removal spells, which is I think pretty good amount. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not all what I'd call premium targeted removal. Some of it's a little bit clunky, but it is in there. There is chaos warp, which is a really good, uh, yeah. a really good one. Hits a variety of targets, so that's great. Um, and then board wipes. There's five. So they did a really good job. These ratios are... By the way, whitelist five board wipes. Yeah. Impressive. These board wipes, these categories, you know, draw, ramp, target removal, board wipes, which are sort of the pillars of, you know, the foundation of your deck. Um, These are almost exactly what we would drop, right? We like 10, 10, 5, 5 generally. Maybe a couple more wipes, but in general, I think this is, is really well done. So that's really encouraging when I'm first breaking down the deck is like, wow. I'm not going to have to talk about that very much because we talk about it in every show. So we're just going to move past it. Uh, the deck is is pretty good on those fronts. It's going to make it fun to play out of the box. I know a lot of stores have, like, everyone plays a commander deck uh, that from the pre-cons, and you just try and play it. This makes it so that things are a lot more balanced. Yeah, by I far. think so. Okay, so <laughs> the problem is then the deck gets kind of confusing. And yeah. so <laughs> as I was breaking out this deck, I was, like, really scratching my head. Um, so I'm going to go through some of the categories. You know, like when you were doing a track set, you go, okay, cards that care that either have plus one plus one counters or care about plus one plus one counters, and it was mm-hmm. like 30 cards out of the deck. Yeah. So you already know that's what the deck wants to do because you're looking for a category where there's a lot of cards in it because that tells you, okay, this is the strategy for the deck. This one is spread out a lot, and it makes it tough. Like cards with Cascade, there's three. Um, cards mm-hmm. that care about card draw because... Oh, crap, Cadeli. Mm-hmm. Cadeli uh, sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck? There's. Um, I'm sure I offended someone somewhere yeah. by comparing a name to a ham sandwich. It's not a real name, but, but I'm sorry if anybody's offended. Uh, so cards. Every that, name is made up, Josh. All our names are beautiful and unique. That's a good point. Except for ours, because there are a lot of people named James and Josh in the world. A lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's less people named Lee Kwai. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so cards that care about card draw. There's three. Mm-hmm. Cards that like make opponents discard. There's seven. Some of these are the wheel effects. Opponent discard payoffs. So cards that say if an opponent discards a card, something happens. There's three of those. <laughs> this is already all over the place. Yeah. There's a, there's the card uh, waste knot, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But it really cares about your opponents discarding your mm-hmm. cards, and it doesn't do anything if they're not discarding cards. So that's a, like a a question mark. Yeah. Um, there for one reason only. Yeah. Cards that put stuff in your own graveyard. There's ten. Again, wheel effects will sometimes do this. Um, cards that want stuff in your graveyard. There's five. There's a couple more if you count delve cards. Cards that want specifically instants and sorceries in your graveyard. There's three. So this eight total, or is this inside the five? This is inside the five. Okay, I gotcha. Uh, cards that want specifically creatures in your graveyard. There's one. Cards that want specifically lands in your graveyard. There's one. Cards that care about your opponent's graveyard. There's three. Again, wheel effects are the only thing that sort of tie this all together. So mm-hmm. wheel effects, there's five wheel effects. There's five different types of wheel of fortunes. Um, so the the graveyard stuff really had me scratching my head because 
listen, none of the legendaries we talked about say the word graveyard. Right. Cascade doesn't have you put those cards into the graveyard if you can't cast them. They're on the bottom of your library in a it, random order. It doesn't look in the graveyard. It, you know, Adele and Thast Thrasios and, and Vile Smasher, none of those cards look at the graveyard or care about the graveyard. What is going on with all this graveyard stuff? Pretty weird. Yeah. And then there's also all this discard stuff, you know, and... None of those cards say the word discard either. None of the legendaries. So I was like, what is going on? There's, listen, there's not stuff for, for Idris either. Mm-hmm. There's no give him double strike. There's no additional combat steps. So there's not like a bunch of like capitalize on Idris's ability. So I'm like scratching my head. What does this tell us? I think what it's telling us is that the wheel effects are really the glue that's holding this thing together. And so this gave me the clue that I believe that Kideli, Kaideli, Kideli, Just say Kideli, K. Just call her K. That K. Oh, this is good. I believe that K is the right general to play as the lead singer, which means you have to run Vile Smasher with her, right? Because that is the only way to get all four colors. Um that's going to be a little bit counterintuitive. And I think if you run Idris out of it, it's fine because he's just a value engine. But there's nothing in the deck that particularly works well with Idris. It's mm-hmm. it's it's like he's just a value card that allows you to play all the colors. And, and that will probably play just fine. You'll get value off of him. Yeah. But here's the thing. If you just... By the time he comes out, if there's no way to abuse the amount of attacks you're having, and he just gets blocked by a five toughness creature, then you don't get his trigger. So, and there's not like a bunch of ways to get him through. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not like a bunch of give him blockable. There's a whisper silk cloak, but there's not a lot of stuff like that. So again, I'm gonna build this deck and talk you through it as if you're running K and Vile Smasher as the general. Man, the K thing is the best invention ever. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about rampant card draw. We talked about board whites and removal. Um, the interesting thing I'll say is that for the ramp, I would do the same thing you talked about for Atraxa. I would try and remove some of the artifact ramp and put in some of the green put lands into play land ramp. I like things like Farseek, things that cost two mana if possible, because my commanders cost three and four mana. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be stepping on those points on the curve. So signets are still good. But if I can find other ramp cards in green that put lands in play that cost two mana or so, still you can run explosive vegetation, of course, and things like that, because uh, just because they're good. But that that is something I would do to upgrade the um, the ramp, the board wipes, and the targeted removal. Again, these numbers are really s- solid. And one of the things I really like about the board wipes they've put in are there's a whole bunch, not a whole bunch, but there's a couple of return all non land permanents to their owner's hands. Mm-hmm. Those are great with wheel effects. Oh, yeah. Because you put it in their hand, and then you make them discard it and draw new cards, and all that stuff just gone. Uh, you know, and you can just hear the whole table groan when you do stuff like yeah. that. So um, I like that they thought of that, and that's part of it. Again, wheel effects really the glue that hold this together. So let's talk about what's in the deck right now. We'll talk about the uh, best cards in the deck. And the first one is a wheel effect, and it's one we don't see a lot. And it's because it's in colors that don't usually have Wheel of Fortune. Right. It's called Whispering Madness. This is a four-mana sorcery. It's two, a blue, and a black. It says each player discards his or her hand, then draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards a player discarded this way. So it's basically kind of like Windfall or something like that. Mm. 
if somebody else has 10 cards and you've only got three, you're going to draw 10. You're going to discard and draw 10. Um, this is bad in instances where you look around the table and everybody's only got like a couple of cards, but that's very rare in Commander. And then it has Cypher. So Cypher is you can exile this spell. Oh, okay, sorry. Let me read it exactly. So you Cypher, you cast it, then you may exile this spell uh, card and code it on a creature you control. Whenever that creature deals combat damage to a player, its controller may cast a copy of the encoded card without paying its mana cost. So now if you hit a player, you cast this again. Yeah, and that stays on It's basically like it becomes an enchantment, kind of. Yeah, it becomes a permanent, like you can cast a copy of this over and over again. Um, If you get rid of the creature, then the card's exiled. But until then, it's like you get a Whispering Madness as many times as you want as long as that creature can just keep pinging in for any amount of combat damage to a player. So with K, you can... Play this, hopefully draw seven, eight, nine cards. She's now tapping for nine mana. But if you play it and then cipher it onto a creature that then attacks mm-hmm. and hits them, you do it again. And now she's tapping for like twenty mana. Yeah, you can do that on turn four or sorry five because she would have you'd have to cast her on four. Yeah, that's very powerful. I mean, that's like hey, look, remember Eldrazi? They are easily accessible now to you uh, at after like turn four or five. Yep. So super, super powerful. Um, Yep, the next card that I think is one of the best cards in the deck. Nath of the Guilt Leaf. This card is great. Our friend Josh Kim also runs a discard-based deck, and Nath is an all-star in that deck. Three, a black, and a green for a 4-4, a legendary elf warrior. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may have target opponent discard a card at random. Whenever an opponent discards a card, you may create a 1-1 green elf warrior creature token. So the upkeep thing, um, it's a May ability. It's going to piss people off, I think, but... If you're making everyone sack or throw away cards with wheel effects, then you're putting tons of one-one green elves onto the battlefield, and that's an, that's a that's a, becomes a very quick win condition when people all of a sudden their plans are completely shattered because they've been sandbagging certain cards the entire game. It's hard also to respond to a bunch of one ones when you can't hold that board wipe mm-hmm. because you don't know they're going to wheel you. Think of Whispering Madness, which we just just talked about. You play that with Nath out, and all of a sudden, great things have just happened for you. And also, I like that Nath also at least does stuff by himself when you're not when you don't have the wheel effects um so that's a very good card and the and the and the last one we'll talk about is one of our favorite cards on the show is our preview card for conspiracy 2 it's burgeoning it's a one-man enchantment whenever an opponent plays a land you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield wheel effects love this oh my gosh it's so good with wheel effects because you play out all your lands and your hands empty play a wheel effect grab another hand which has a bunch of lands in it play them all out again um, let's talk about, sorry. Ooh. Nice. Had a good heft to it. Yeah. We printed these on special paper by accident. So Just so all... they would have heft. <laughs> let's talk about the worst cards in the deck. Some of the not so good cards. Um, yeah. This could be good in some, de- maybe. I don't no, know. I don't, I don't think know so. if it's ever good. I don't think it's good at all. Go ahead. Parting thoughts. It's not good. <laughs> Sorry, the card's called Parting Thoughts. Two in the black sorcery. Destroy a target creature. You draw X cards and you lose X life where X is the number of counters on that creature. Uh, I mean, unless you're playing against the Atraxa deck specifically, this could sometimes just be destroy a target creature, do nothing. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to be playing your own deck that's putting a lot of counters on creatures so that you knew you could use it to sack one of your own creatures, basically, and draw mm-hmm. cards, which also is not the best. But yeah, because you're two-for-one-ing yourself sometimes. I mean, you're like two-for-two-ing yourself. It has to, you know, it's just not a good deal, essentially. And you never even know if you're going to be playing against anybody that has plus-one, plus-one counters at all. It's just, yeah, it's not a very good... I guess it says any number of counters. They don't have to be plus-one, plus-one counters, mm-hmm. but whatever. It's very possible that that card sits in your hand. You're looking at it going like... Well, it does destroy a creature. Listen, it, it does destroy a creature. But it, it, without the draw cards thing, we can do way better. We can get an instant. 
Yeah, there's so many different ways you can draw cards in in these colors. You have blue. Yeah. You don't need to have parting thoughts where you're also going to be losing a lot of life if you like do it successfully. You know, there are a lot of already board wipes. Like we said, there are five board wipes in here that you can use that you're going to be okay getting rid of creatures. And there's a lot of single target removal as well. Uh, the next card, Whims of the Fates. This is five in red for a sorcery. Starting with you, each player separates all permanents he or she controls into three piles. Then each player chooses one of his or her piles at random and sacrifices those permanents. So you separate into three piles, and one of them is randomly just going away. Yeah. <laughs> I like Whims of the Fates. <laughs> it's one of those... Because it's ridiculous and funny, but not good. Oh, it also says piles can be empty. So if you're a gambler, which we all know that... I am, and Jimmy is. Mm -hmm. um, you can put all your permanents in one pile and leave the other two piles empty and just hope you don't get, you know, really unlucky. Yeah, you, like, roll two, four, or six, or one to two, three to four, or five to six to choose one of them, and you, you have to be like, all right, I'm going to keep it on here. I'm letting roll it all dice. ride. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, it, again, this is just a pure chaos card. I think it's it was, like, a, it was a fun times reprint, but I don't think it's actually that good. Yeah, it's just hard to get strategic advantage out of it because you just don't know what the outcome is going to be. Um, yeah. Oh, Blood Tyrant. Yeah, this is a card that I've always wanted to put in a deck, especially my Marchesa deck. It's but it's seven mana. It's four in Grixis, blue, black, red, flying trample five five. At the beginning of your upkeep, each player loses one life. Play a plus one plus one counter on Blood Tyrant for each one life lost this way. And whenever a player loses the game, put five plus one plus one counters on Blood Tyrant. This just reads win more. It doesn't really do anything but besides be a large flying trampler, which it's is just, powerful, but it's not. Uh, it's okay yeah it's just not so for seven mana you just can't do this you can't play like a card that sits there doesn't do anything until your next upkeep and then what it does do is gain like four counters and do four damage mm -hmm. like it's just not powerful enough for the amount of mana that it costs and uh, it doesn't seem to do much in this deck either outside yeah. of be a high cmc card for idris to cascade from and we also are talking about taking out the only card that says plus one plus one counters on it which is parting thought thoughts and so you might as well take this out, too, because no other card cares about plus one, plus one counters or anything. Yeah. The next one is an interesting card. It's one of the new cards. It's, it's called Frenzied Fugue? Fugue. Fugue. Like a Fugue state, I believe. Frenzied Fugue. It's an enchantment aura. You enchant permanent. When Frenzied Fugue enters the battlefield or at the beginning of your upkeep, gain control of enchanted permanent until end of turn. Untap that permanent. It gains haste until end of turn. So you enchant somebody else's thing. You get it now as a threaten effect, and it goes back to them at the end of the turn. But then, in a weird twist, you get it every upkeep, as long as it's still around. Um, it's kind of a cool card. Yeah. In that you steal something all, all the time. Um, the same thing over and over again. Yeah. If that thing isn't, like, Avacyn and is indestructible, though, it's, it doesn't seem that great. Because it's like, you're never going to play a treachery effect in EDH in general, because it's a one-time use. This does get to do it again and again. But I don't think you're actually too interested in that because it's too easy for opponents to deal with being like oh he keeps stealing this thing i'm gonna swing it to you can you just block it and kill it and yeah like, sure you now it's a permanent so you can do it on a land or something i guess or a planeswalker or yeah, whatever but then true. you're also incentivized like you said to, to keep it around so if it's really good you're kind of helping your opponent keep it too yeah i could see this being good when you're stealing like a guy's cradle right because there's no other way for a red deck to do that so i might play this in a mono red deck but i don't think you need it in a deck that has four colors yeah, in it. Yeah, because you can do everything you want to do just with... you, And you'll know what it does, right? This is a card, again, that you don't know what you're stealing. Again, if I had sack outlets or it was Marchesa and I knew I could sack it and keep it maybe forever, I might mm -hmm. keep that card, but it doesn't really synergize with the deck. So let's talk about some notable reprints. Hashtag value. value. Yeah, woo! 
Ooh, Past in Flames. Yeah. I like this card a lot. Three in a row. We talked about it in the last show as well last week. It's a sorcery. Each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard gains flashback until end of turn. The flashback cost is equal to its mana cost. And this card can also be flashback for four in a red. You can cast this card from your graveyard for its flashback cost, then exile it. So you get to use Pass in Flames twice. You get access to all of these uh, instants and sorceries in your graveyard twice, as long as you haven't cast it already with flashback. So this gives you two shots to just buy back some of the most powerful spells you're going to send in the game uh, towards your opponents. It's one of those cards that's really good, particularly in EDH, too, because it breaks, in some ways, the one-card-per-deck rule where, yeah. you know, Pass and Flames allows you to cast a card you've already cast in that game, which because you can't have two copies. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is Chromatic Lantern, which is three mana for an artifact. Lands you control have tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool, so it gives all your lands the ability to tap for five color. And then it itself says tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So this was your number one artifact yep. uh, on our top ten artifacts. Yeah, and a lot of people have made the statement that they wish that they had Chromatic Lantern in every deck because they're all four color, and it'd be great to make sure that there's one artifact in every deck that can ensure every deck can play their cards. Unfortunately, it's only in this Idris deck, but the card's awesome. Obviously, you're going to be happy to get it uh, and happy to use it because it's it's almost impossible to cut from a deck that has more than three colors. Yep, three and, and when I said earlier, like, oh, I want my mana ramp to cost two because I have a commander that costs three and another one that costs four, Chromatic Lantern's so good. You mm-hmm. don't take it out. Yeah. Because it it just totally, you don't even have to worry about your mana once it's out. So let's talk about the deck right now at this point. We're not adding any cards yet. We're just talking about out of the box. How does it seem? What does it play like? It seems pretty unfocused. Seems chaotic. Yeah. There's some weird cards in there. It doesn't have like a really great plan of what it wants to do. Um, you know, like I said, the, the biggest unifying factor is kind of like wheel effects in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. So there's delve cards that care about, you know, stuff in your graveyard. There's stuff that wants to target instants and sorcerers in your graveyard, like pass and flames. Wheel effects are really the glue that's holding this whole thing together. If that's the case, there's five. There's only five. Oof. Now, five is a good start, but it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Well, not enough to get specifically to be delivering things into your graveyard because that's the one of the main benefits of the wheel effect, right? Right. It's making your opponents discard. You get that kind of stuff. It's it's drawing cards because of K and making her tap for a lot of mana, but you have to draw the wheel effect. Now, good thing about wheel effects is once you reach critical mass of them in your deck, they the, the one draws you into the next one that draws you into the next one that draws you into the next one. But when you only have five, I think there's going to be too many points along the way where you just never get one. Yeah. And then the deck doesn't really do what it's trying to do. And you're kind of in a lot of trouble then because you're not putting stuff in your graveyard, so all those cards don't work. And you're not making opponents discard, so all those cards don't work. Mm-hmm. And you're not drawing a bunch of cards, so K doesn't work. So what are you doing? So that's my worry with this deck. And I think straight out of the box, without any upgrades, just run Idris. Yeah. It's going to be the best way to, to win, like, to for the deck to be the strongest. Because by himself, Idris is a value engine that's going to accrue enough value that will sort of overcome i think some of this unfocusedness but if you're going to do a quick tune-up i think that the best way because a tune-up for idris requires a complete overhaul of the deck because you don't want necessarily wheel effects at all and all this graveyard shenanigans yeah. it doesn't really do much with idris so you that's a bigger change to the deck so if i'm going to do this little tune-up then i want k and i want vile smasher as my two commanders yeah, because K is the big ramp one, right? If yeah. you're able to use her to just generate a ton of mana, then awesome. You're going to kill it. But yeah, if you just buy this deck and you're just going to play it, use Idris. It's going to be flashier, and I think you're going to have more fun in sort of a casual game that's not trying to like upgrade the deck any bit. Um, okay, so let's talk about the cards to add. 
The first is wheel effects. There's not enough right now. Wheel of Fortune and its ilk. Um, I would prefer the ones that make people discard, but there are ones that make everybody shuffle their hands into their library and draw that many. Those can be fine too. You do have cards that care about discard though, so I'd lean towards those. Um, Wheel of Fortune itself, Dark Deal, Megas of the Wheel, all these are fine. Mm-hmm. I would add three to five more. Um, just a lot of these are not expensive, so you can add them. I won't go through all of them. Um, then there's some cards that are like free, quote unquote, card dropper turns. So once you get them out, they're going to dramatically increase the count for K. For K. Mm-hmm. Um, because as we recall, she taps for colorless mana for the amount of equal to the amount of cards you've drawn that turn. So yeah, this is a really good one with, with her. Yeah. This came out in commander 2015. Haven't seen it played yet. Arjun, the shifting flame for a blue and a red for a five, five flyer. Whenever you cast a spell, put the cards in your hand on the bottom of your library in any order, then draw that many cards. I think it's similar to like mind, mind moil, mind moil. Yeah. Which is another card that might go in the deck. It's actually exactly mind moil just stapled onto a five, five flyer. Mm-hmm. Um, both of these are good. And, and so you just have to cast a spell and all of a sudden all the cards in your hand go on the bottom. You draw that minion. Now K taps for a whole ton of mana. Yeah. Um, the other one is, uh, or another one is forgotten creation three and a blue for a three, three zombie horror has skulk. Doesn't matter. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may discard all the cards in your hand. If you drew, draw that many cards. So you don't have to do this, but if you have K out, you almost always want to. Yeah, especially if you're trying to dig for something. Like, all these cards, the wheel effects, the reason they're so good, people are like, but you're putting your hand away. It's like, no, you're actually trying to use these cards to find a specific card to cast with K. That's why they're in the deck. Yeah, and that's a really good point we'll get to in a little bit. But yes, that's the great thing about wheel effects is it actually lowers the amount of win conditions you need, right? Because you're going to wheel, 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 found it, mm-hmm. go. Um, Forgotten Creation helps you with that. The next one is another one we talk about a lot. It's Teferi's Puzzle Box. Four mana for an artifact. At the beginning of each player's draw step, that player puts the cards in his hand, his or her hand on the bottom of his or her library in any order, then draws that many cards. So it's forgotten creation, but it's not a May ability, and everybody does it. Yeah, pretty powerful. I I think Teferi's Puzzle Box creates the most groans out of a lot of players because they're, you know, all of a sudden it's like you've been holding cards for four or five turns. No, they're going bye-bye. All my plans, they're yeah. melting. And if you're in the position of like, that's great, I can't wait to do this so I can generate more mana, then thumbs up to you. But it, I think for more often than not, wheel effects hurt everyone else much more, and they benefit you way more. So it's a very skewed scale, I think. The next section is called Untap Kaidali K. K. Every time I say it, I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Um, the first one everyone's talking about with her, it's Umbral Mantle. It's three mana for an equipped... Uh, equipment equip cost of zero it says equip creature has pay three and then the untapped symbol this creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn so you pay three and then you untap the creature and it gets plus two plus two the thing with k is that if you can ever create more than three mana or Uh i guess even if you can create three mana then you can tap her to create the three mana that untaps her tap her to and you can grow her to an infinite size. Yeah, so she's get huge. You just keep doing this back and forth because every time she taps for three, you just pay that three back. When she taps for four, you pay the three back. You tap for four. So you can also add infinite mana if it's above three. Yeah, if you've got four or more, you've got infinite colorless mana now with uh, Umbral Mantle and K out. Um, along similar lines, not the exact same, it's Thousand Year Elixir. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Yeah, it's a three-drop artifact. You may activate abilities of creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. And then you can pay one mana and tap it to untap target creature. So, again, this allows K to be played and then immediately use her effect. So, very powerful in general because I think you have a lot of 
I mean, for you and like a Tim deck, this is like, yeah. this is it. Thousand Year Elixir is awesome. But in this deck, it's great for KDL. If if K can tap for like seven mana, then you create seven, use one of it to untap or create seven more. Now you've made 13 mana with her. It's very powerful. Another one that's on the higher end of the cost spectrum is, I won't go into it too much, is Staff of Domination. Right. Um, if you have the ability, this that, that card definitely belongs in there because it does a million things with all the mana. Um, the problem with K can be that she taps for colorless. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times there's a cap on how much colorless mana is useful to you unless you have like an X spell or something. Because at a certain point you're like, well, I need colored mana. That's going to be sort of the the thing that's holding you back. So mm-hmm. a couple of cards that help turn that colorless mana into non-colorless mana, into colored mana, would be really good. And this first one is probably the best one. Yeah, this actually card. This is a card that might go into the Atraxa deck as well because it's got counters on it. It's yep. a gemstone array. It's a four drop artifact. You can pay two uh, generic mana to put a charge counter on it, and then instant speed remove a charge counter from gemstone array. Add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So if you make twelve mana with K, you could add six charge counters and it becomes any other color. So it's a two two color uh, two generic mana for one color of any mana you choose. Yep, and they sort of add up over time too. So you can sort of store a bunch of mana right so mm-hmm. k is like right now taps for seven mana but i don't need all of it i'll just put a couple on the gemstone array to save until my next turn when i'll take those counters off yep. and cast stuff um then the other one is magus of the candelabra this is the creature version of candelabra of Thanos. it's a one green for a one two it says pay x and tap untap x target lands so you can use this with k to untap lands to give yourself more colored mana it's not quite as good as gemstone array but i think the deck really wants this effect and it's willing to play this kind of card also this card does work with things like the um the umbral mantle and and um the thousand year elixir and the staff of domination so it does cross synergize with stuff you're already doing yeah you can also play cards like crucifix to just use the extra mana that's stored in there Mm -hmm. yeah cards like omnath like that as well yep but where are you going to use that mana, Josh? Now that's the thing. Man, it's yeah. Oh wait. Wee. Yep. Use that mana. So, I mean, I've been dying to cast this guy for a while. This is it, by the way, because yeah. it, it synergizes so well with K. Yep. So this is the deck for Kozilek the Great Distortion, not the Butcher, the Distortion. I mean, you can play the Butcher too, but <laughs> I, I think re- you play a lot of Eldrazi in this yeah, deck. Yeah, but you're right. This like totally synergizes. So Kozilek the Great Distortion is eight and two two colorless, so eight and two diamond, ten mana total. For a legendary Eldrazi, it's a twelve twelve. When you cast Kozilek the Great Distortion, if you have fewer than seven cards in hand, draw cards equal to the difference. Kay likes that too. Has Menace and says, discard a card with converted mana cost X. Counter target spell with converted mana cost X. So this is just a really, really powerful card. And you could get this card out on possibly turn five. Mm -hmm. You know, you get K out maybe on turn three with a signet or something. Actually, you could maybe get this out on turn four. On turn four, you wheel of fortune. You you get enough card draw to create enough mana, maybe with the signet and maybe with the thousand year elixir to do it. Mm -hmm. It's possible. Um, Again, just turn five, Kozilek, I think would be extremely powerful. It's going to draw you back up to seven cards. It's going to make it so you counterspell anything that kills it, hopefully. And it's just a 12-12 with Menace at that point. It's, it seems pretty great. Yeah, the drawing is great. And the discard to counter, I think, is also very important, too, especially if you're going to re- be running other Eldrazi in your deck. And it's a great way to shuffle your library, your, your graveyard back into your library. If you're like, hey, I want to replay that effect again, like, well, hope I find it with K or hope I find it with my wheel effects. 
You'll throw it back in the library. It could also be that you play Kozilek and it draws you enough cards in addition to what else you've done that now you can cast something else that turn because it drew you six more cards and you already drew seven with your um, mm-hmm. Wheel of Fortune and you untap her one time and then boom, you cast something huge like, you know, Old Lamog. Yeah. So Ulamog the Infinite uh, Geyer. Hero. Here. Hero. Yeah, like the thing you eat. Shouldn't that have an O? No. It's gyre, I believe. <laughs> like a like an ocean gyre. Yeah, I think it's gyre. Um, so it's an Eldrazi 10-10, costs 11 mana. When you cast uh, Old Lamog, destroy target permanent. Has indestructible, also has Annihilator 4. So whenever this creature attacks, defending player sacrifices 4 permanents. That's key. Um, it's also when Ulamog is put into graveyard from anywhere, its owner shuffles into the graveyard, or sorry, into the library. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, sorry, shuffles his or her graveyard into her library, not just Old Lamog. Everything goes, yeah. which keeps you from being milled. It's not great because you want things in your graveyard, but it's so powerful because if you get it out on turn five, Annihilator 4 is devastating. Yeah, it also doesn't let it get recurred by, like, you know, uh, return right. this card at the battlefield tap from your graveyard or whatever. The, the thing you can do in this deck, and you're probably trying to do, is get these cards out pretty early. So yeah. you wheel, maybe wheel again, turn five, six, you cast this Ulamog, and... It's indestructible. It's very early in the game. If anybody gets annihilated, they're sacking, you know, four permanents. Yes, Ugh. a couple of lands, something else. It's really hard to recover from that. I also think Nulamog is playable. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Nulamog, I think, is absurd. Ten mana, you cast him, exile two target permanents, and it's indestructible. And when they attacks, the defending player exiles the top twenty cards of their library. Ugh. Yep. So, so they're just dead in a couple of turns. Yeah, it's from like that. turbo mill. Yeah, and it's indestructible. That's really the big one. Um, the next one is, go ahead. Mizzix's Mastery, three in red for a sorcery, came out in the last Commander set. Uh, exile target card that's an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. For each card exiled this way, copy it, and you may cast the copy without paying its mana. Then you exile Mizzix's Mastery. However, you can overload it for eight mana, five red, 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 and you target every single instant or sorcery in your graveyard, and you can cast the copy without paying its mana cost. So it's like the insurrection of spells. So the last card in this sort of use your mana category is like, I was trying to think if you have a bunch of colorless mana, either an infinite amount because of Umbral Mantle or, you know, just a lot, how can I convert that into, you know, winning the game or KOing players? And I came up with a really simple one, Fireball. Yeah, X and a red deals X damage divided evenly rounded down among any number of target creatures and or players, and it costs one more to cast for each target beyond the first. So if you have infinite man, you just kill everyone immediately. Yeah, you go a million to you, a million to you, a million to you. No problem. If you just have a lot of mana, because I think there will probably be turns where like you have Arjun out or uh, maybe Forgotten Creation also, you Wheel of Fortune. All of a sudden, K is tapping for like 40 mana with Thousand Year Elixir. That's 80 mana. You just, you know, go, uh, I'll just deal 39 to you and 39 to you. Yeah, pretty good to kill two people in one turn. But yes, that idea of, of you know, just boom, I just use all this mana and I somehow win or get myself closer to winning. Yeah. And then the last category I just called May as well. May as well. because as well. Because you are doing the thing that goes with this other thing. I'm being... I'm being up, uh, obtuse for no reason. <laughs> it, uh, Leovold is what I'm talking about. Emissary of Trest. So we've talked about him recently. Costs soul tie. Three mana total for a 3-3 three, three elf advisor. Says each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. Whenever you or a permanent you control becomes the target of a spell or ability in opponent controls, you may draw a card. So the big one here is that 
each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn, right? You're doing a bunch of Wheel of Fortune effects, Teferi's to Puzzle Box. Mm-hmm. Wheel of Fortune now says, if Leovold's out, everybody discards their hand, and then your opponents draw one card, but you draw seven cards. Yeah, that's brutal. I mean, that that's a really a fast way to make everyone hate you, but also have nothing to do because they have no cards in their hand anymore. So You're like, you don't like me, but you can't do anything about it. Sorry, buddy. With Teferi's Puzzle Box, it actually they end up with zero cards mm-hmm. on their hand because they draw their card for turn, then they take all their cards, put them on the bottom of their library. Then they would normally draw those many cards, but because they already drew one, Leovold says, uh-uh, mm-hmm. you already drew one. That's all you it. get. Yeah, the card's particularly mean, but hey, you know, this is a deck that wants to control in that way, and it's. I, I think playing Leovold in the 99 is great. I would 100% do that. Playing him as your commander is a, is pretty mean and nasty. But, uh, I mean, I got a Mizzix deck, so if anybody pulls out Leovold, that, that seems fair. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, okay, so that's it for the cards we're going to specifically talk about. If you go to the show notes, either on collected.company, on the YouTube page, um, you will see a full list of what I would say to take out and what I would say to add in. I think there's 15 of each. You'll mm-hmm. notice that in the take out list, I, I had Swamp. <laughs> take out Swamp. Just yep. one. Uh, the deck has uh, 38 lands plus, I think, five basic land cyclers. I might even take out two lands. Yeah. I wouldn't go below that. But with so many wheel effects that you're adding also, you're just going to draw into lands more often. So I don't think you're going to have to worry so much about lands and mm-hmm. you can free up a couple sl- slots that way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to the listeners, did we miss any cards? Do you think K is the correct commander for this deck based on what we said? Or do you think you'd rather find a way to tune this deck so that Idris works out to be the better commander in the 99 of the pre-con with a little bit of addition and subtraction? Let us know. You can send us a tweet at CommandCast or post a comment on our YouTube site or go to Collected.Company and post on the podcast page itself. Yeah, I do want to reiterate that if you're taking the pre-con and making no changes, I do believe... We're canceling the apocalypse. Idris Elba. Is the way to go. But it, for a quick tune-up, I think that K is is who to build around because the deck's closer to that. Now, for a total page one rewrite, you know, like a from mm-hmm. the ground up build, I think Idris is probably an, a, a, a deck we're going to talk about in the future that we're both excited about and I think can be very powerful. Yeah, certainly. All right, make sure you guys go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone if you're going to be ordering any Commander 2016 product, including singles or these pre-cons themselves. It's a great place to go. You'll get your, your cards so quickly as soon as you order them. Not as soon as you order them, but as soon as you order them, they're already working on putting it into envelopes and shipping it out to you. So if you want to get on the ground running with these pre-cons, you can order them from there as well as your singles. I highly suggest it. Yep, you're going to want to play these things as soon as possible, and Card Kingdom is going to get that stuff to you faster than anybody. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. BlizzCon happened this last weekend, and Blizzard is home of a lot of some of the highest quality games on the market. Uh, We're recording this before BlizzCon actually happened. I'm only going down on Friday. Two years ago, we went down together. Yep, and we got our butts kicked in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah, in Heroes of the Serum. That was, that was interesting. Awesome. But uh, it's going to be really interesting. I love to see a company just get out there and be like, we have three games, four games. We're going to do a convention about it. It's a huge convention for the fact that they only have four, like four or five properties. Yeah. I mean, people come from all over the world. Uh, I saw Gavin's coming into town, our mm-hmm. good friend Brian Tran. I saw that... Um, Aaron Forsyth. Aaron Forsyth. Is, is also I saw that here, yeah. uh, Pandemonium from uh, PAX, who I got to hang out with. He was one of the community ambassadors from Australia, was coming all the way out. Oh, excellent. Um, yeah, tons of people. Yeah, hopefully we'll get some Magic games in as well. Who knows? But yeah, great convention. I would suggest you guys... I mean, like, if you haven't played the Blizzard game, if you want to find out, like, 
what does the top developer in video games do to make their game as refined and beautiful as possible? Play something like Overwatch. And I think that's going to be huge for Blizzard this year because that's their huge new title, you know? Yep. Um, Yeah, BlizzCon, pretty sweet. You know, a guy that plays Overwatch, but I haven't actually got to play with him, is Alex Kessler, who's one Mm. of the hosts of the Masters of Modern podcast with Ben Bateman. They talk about modern as a format, all things competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast or right next to us on Collected.Company, which is our new sort of hub for us and them. There's going to be some big announcements with them. Uh, here soon, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, Ben's also actually down at BlizzCon as well. He's covering, doing coverage and stuff. For oh, yeah. Ben is outlets. all over the place with stuff like that. Yeah, so. he is. Yeah. Our editor for the show is Terry Robertson, who does all of the video content for the show. Make sure you check that out so you can follow along with all these brand new cards in these Commander 2016 pre-constructed decks at youtube.com slash Podcast. And a big special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who provides the living card animations at the beginning and end of our videos. Make sure you give him a follow as well, at LivingCardsMTG on Twitter. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Peace. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.